his strength is perfect. Thanks, Sandy Atkinson and some others are prepared to have children's church so you kids can head to the back and they will take you downstairs to have a good time of sharing God's love during these moments. Let's pray together as they go. Father, we are so thankful that you have all that we need and you are all that we need. And as we look at this great passage this morning, we pray you will open our eyes of understanding and you know every life here, every situation, all of the struggles and heartaches and difficulties that are being faced each day. And we together, based on the authority of your word, declare, Lord, that your strength is perfect. We can trust you. And we ask that you will just minister to each life in these moments. We pray your spirit will apply your word now. And when we leave here, Lord, may we be rooted in you, trusting in you, looking to you. And may we experience the strength that only you can provide. Bless our children and those who are telling them about your love. And we pray that this hour would accomplish your work in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's turn to Philippians 4. Philippians 4, we're going to look at verses 10 to 13 this morning. We uh, continue through Philippians and we're coming close to the end. This is kind of the closing section of the letter. And Paul is giving them a lot to think about. The Lord is inspiring him to write some of these incredible truths that will help them, that would help them and will help us as we seek to live for Christ, facing the ups and downs that life will bring our way. How do we get through all of the things that we will face? Well, remember, Paul was writing this from prison, so he wasn't... uh, Uh, on some Caribbean island, you know, uh, on the beach every day when he wrote this. He was going through his own struggle, his own suffering, persecution for his faith. And so when he says the things we read here, he knew exactly what he was talking about. He was living it. He was experiencing it. And God was using him to speak this great truth, not only to that day, but to every age, every generation, until Christ returns. Look at Philippians 4, verse 10. Paul said, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now, at last, your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am, to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As we gather here this morning, some are struggling, struggling under family difficulties, some struggling under financial strain, some struggling at work or with children or with grandchildren. 
Paul is challenging us, God through Paul challenging us to see who God is and that he is able to provide all that we need. Beyond that, he is all that we need. Verses 10 to 13 teach us that we can live above our circumstances. Now, don't misunderstand that. Sometimes people use that phrase to mean uh, they're living too high on the hog, right? They're spending too much money. They're living above their circumstances. But Christians, spiritually, we can live above our circumstances. We don't, our lives do not have to be dominated by whatever the daily ups and downs of life are. Instead, we can live, we sing the song, Higher Ground. We can live on a higher plane. We can live on higher ground because of Jesus Christ in whom we have the strength that we need. We have to depend on God, though. We have to depend on his plan, on his care, and on his power. And that's what Paul talks about in verses 10 to 13. And he's telling these Philippian believers that he has learned to depend, to trust in God's plan and in God's care and in God's power. You see, the sufficiency of Christ, he is enough. He is sufficient, meaning that it's not Jesus plus someone or something else that we need. He will not only provide what we need, he is who we need and what we need for each and every day. He is sufficient in his plan. Verse 10, Paul said, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now, at last, your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Paul begins with the present, but I rejoiced greatly. I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Paul describes the past here. Indeed, you did care, though you lacked opportunity. He's remembering back to these Philippians. This wonderful church helped him, ministered to him, supported him, cared for him. They had generously supported Paul when he left Philippi. He had helped to start that church. And then when he went on, when the Lord led him to move on, to share the gospel in other places, to minister in Thessalonica and Berea. They had generously supported him. And when Paul was in Athens and in Corinth, these Philippians had continued to support him and to help him. And Paul knew that as the years passed, they had a constant concern for him. That's why he said, though you surely did care, though you surely did care, he knew they always had him in their heart. They just didn't always have opportunity to help him, to minister directly to him. Paul says at some point in the past, they lacked opportunity to provide financial support to him and to help him directly. There are seasons in life where there are people that you love and care about, and you pray for them, and you think about them day after day, but there may be circumstances that you can't help them in the way that you used to help them or that you would even like to help them because of things that have taken place. But that doesn't mean you've forgotten them. 
And here with Paul, this Philippian church, he is saying, now your help, your care for me has flourished again. Though I knew you always had care and concern for me. Now he doesn't go into specifics here as to that season of time when they lacked opportunity. It may have simply been the Philippians were too poor. They didn't have anything to help him with. It also could have been they just didn't know where he was. You know, Paul was moving around. And it's not like they could pull out their cell phone and send him a text and say, what's going on, Paul? I mean, there were, there were literally years of time that they didn't perhaps even know where Paul was. Had no way to get help to him. But they never forgot him. They never stopped praying for him. To have concern for him. And now Paul was in Rome. And they knew that he was there. They knew he was in prison there for his faith. And God's plan. God's providence. You could use that great old theological word. God's providence had taken a turn in the direction of helping Paul once again. The Philippians now knew where he was, and they were able to help him. God had opened up the door of opportunity. God is always at work in the world around us. And we need to be sensitive to his leadership. And when he shows us doors of opportunity, we need to walk through them. And we need to let God use us to provide his providential care and concern for people that he's trying to help. Sometimes you're the recipient of that. God uses other people to bless you, to help you. He brings them together with you at just the right moment to meet the needs of your life. And then at other times, he uses us to be that person, to help somebody else. And here, the plan of God, the providence of God had come back around and these Philippians could help Paul. We need to trust in the plan of God. Paul had contentment and strength because he knew that God was in control and that God was at work. And sometimes when you're going through the hard moments of life, it, everything just seems like you're walking in a dark forest. You can't see light behind you or ahead of you. You're just, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, though. And you can trust that God has a plan. He is at work to bring together what you need. Paul was rejoicing, he says. The word used for greatly is mega. He was mega rejoicing that now he was experiencing their care for him. Do you think it was the gift? It was so much the financial gift, although I'm sure that helped Paul. I think it was more the knowing that the givers loved him and hadn't forgotten him. And cared about him. And that means the world to people when they're hurting. Just to know that somebody cares. The providence of God at work. Paul trusted in God's plan. Like the annual growing cycle. Is what he's like alluding to in verse 10. Your care for me has flourished again. The word flourished again. Is the word revived. It has revived it is a word that spoke of plants blooming again, like in the springtime. That which had been dormant, and now suddenly it's alive again. 
And Paul is saying, your care, your concern for me is now blooming. It's flourishing once again. Paul trusted in how God was at work. Ephesians 1.11. The scripture says, God who works all things after the counsel of his will. And then in the great Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good. To those who love God. To those who are the called according to to his purpose. Now, it doesn't say that all things are good. Paul being in prison, prison itself, the persecution of Christians, that isn't what God wanted to happen. But it is a reality. It was a reality then. It is still a reality. And what the Bible says is that God can take even that which is not good, and in his providence, he can weave it and work it so that it brings about his purpose and his plan. You can always trust in the providence of God. Two words to remember. Providence and miracle. These are the two ways that God acts and works in the world. A miracle is God's direct intervention at a given moment in time. To do something supernatural. And usually it is something that is shocking. It is evident because it's totally unexpected and it happens so abruptly and the way that it happens is usually very evident i think we see miracles actually all the time around us god's healing power god's provision in ways that can be utterly miraculous shocking and yet many times it's just chalked up to circumstance or happenstance if you're looking for the work of God, you will see it because it's there all around you. And sometimes God works in a very direct, interventionist kind of way that interrupts what you could say is the natural order, what's expected. But then God is always at work providentially. The word providence means God takes all of the contingencies, all of the events, all of the words and actions and decisions and elements, both good and bad. He takes all of that in this world and he works it together to accomplish ultimately his purpose and his plan. It doesn't mean that God makes every individual thing happen, but he takes all of the things all of the decisions that sinful man makes, both good and bad, the fallen world, and he uses it to accomplish his purpose. It fits together. Paul knew that he was in prison. God didn't make people sin, persecute Christians, but, God, but Paul knew God could take that persecution and use it to accomplish his plan. And what was Paul doing in that prison? He was preaching the gospel. All the way to Rome. He was sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in the seat of the Roman Empire. And people were coming to faith. And so God can take all things and providentially provide what is needed. And so I hope that you trust in the plan of God the work of God 
And when you are in the middle of something you don't understand, and it may be something that's terrible, you can still trust that God is going to take even that and out of it bring about his purpose and his plan in your life and in the lives of those that you love. That's the kind of God that we have. So trust in the plan of God. Proverbs 16, 9 says, The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And so you can think you've got a plan, but God is at work to direct you where you really need to end up. And then in Genesis 50, 20, remember that great statement from Joseph to his brothers after they had sold him into slavery? And he said, looking back on it, he was able to say, as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. His brothers meant it for evil, but God took it and brought about good. You can trust in God's plan. Now, Paul says, God's opened another door of opportunity and he's using you to provide for me. And then you can trust that Jesus Christ is sufficient not only in his plan, but in his care. In verse 11, Paul said, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. Say, so you can be happy in Missouri or in Texas or Florida, wherever, whatever state you're in, you can be happy. Whatever condition you find yourself in. You can have contentment. You can have joy because you know you're in the center of God's will. And the Lord is with you. And he will provide what is needed in every circumstance. And so Paul says, I know how to be abased and I know how to be bound. I know how to be at the lowest of the low, to be humiliated, to be brought down, to be beaten to be imprisoned, to be mocked, to be scorned and laughed at. I know how to be abased, and I also know how to abound. The highs and the lows of life, the mountaintops and the valleys of life. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So Paul is describing life, isn't he? And so no matter whether you're on top of the mountain or in the lowest valley, God can help you know how to walk through that experience and be on an even keel, content because you're content with God, His love, His presence, His care. He will provide the care that you need for a given moment in time. And He does it for every moment until we step into His presence. Puritan Jeremiah Burroughs wrote in his book, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. It's a spirit of a child looking to a parent and trusting him, trusting her, knowing that they will do what is best. And you can trust the Father in those circumstances. Contentment is a biblical quality. 
John the Baptist in Luke 3, 14. Some soldiers had, had asked him how to manifest r- real repentance. And John the Baptist said to them, one of the things he said, be content. Be content with your wages. Luke 3, 14. Don't rob from people, in other words. Don't take what's not yours. Be content with your wages. Hebrews 13, 5. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. 1 Timothy 6, 8. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. So Paul is saying, he's not saying, well, I've learned to be content because I'm rich. I have all the money in the world, and now I can be content. Are people who are fabulously wealthy, are they always content with what they have? We don't see that, do we? You see, if you're not content with a little, you won't be content with a lot. That's true. And Paul is saying, I've learned to be content whatever state I'm in, whatever condition I'm in, I've learned how to be content. And God will build that into you. And it's, this is all the context for the great statement in, first, in Philippians 4.13. You see, people want to pull first, uh, Philippians 4.13 out of its context and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So whatever I want to do, I can do it. That isn't what it says. The preceding verses leading up to this, Paul is saying, I know how to have great wealth. I know how to abound, but I also know how to be abased. I know how to be full. I know how to be hungry. I've learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, it is that trust in God's plan and providence It is that trust in God's care that he will provide what you need that 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 then brings about the strength. The strength of God to live the life that God wants you to live. Not to live the life you want to live. Not to do your own thing, but to do God's will and to be in the center of his plan. That's what God will provide the strength for you to do. I don't mean to be a downer here or to burst people's bubbles. But you can't do anything in and of your own strength. But through Jesus Christ, he will provide the strength for you and me to do whatever he desires for us to do. And part of that is he brings contentment. That we trust him and we look to him and we know that he's going to provide what is needed. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. So you can look to him and he is sufficient in his power. This verse, Philippians 4, 13, literally could be translated, All I am strong In the one empowering me. I can do all things. Actually in the Greek the word all is at the very beginning of the sentence. All I am strong in the one empowering me. And so I can do all things. In Christ. 
not just through Christ, but because you're in Christ who strengthens you. And that means you can be abased and you can abound. You can be full and you can be hungry. And you can accomplish the plan of God for your life no matter what your circumstances are. You can rise above your circumstances because of the one who is empowering you to do his purpose and his will. Paul is saying, whatever circumstance I find myself, whatever extremes, whether abundance or wealth, or fellowshipping with the poor, or proclaiming the gospel to people who don't want to hear it, or being arrested and thrown into prison, I can be content and I can do all things. I can deal with this. I can go through this because of Christ who is strengthening me. I close by asking you a question. I read an illustration about this thing of contentment and having the strength to be the person that God wants you to be in all circumstances. And this writer said, God wants you to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. Are you a thermostat or are you a thermometer? We've had some high temperatures recently. You've been looking at your, therm your thermometer. You may have been looking at your thermostat, too, to see, wow, I thought I set that on 70 degrees. It feels warmer than that right now. A thermometer registers the temperature around you. It's always up and down, always up and down. Some people are thermometers. Every little thing that happens, every circumstance, is it makes me go through the roof or they're down in the, in the lowest valley, up and down, up and down. Every little thing registers. And so you might talk to them at 12 o'clock and they're on cloud nine and everything's great. And five hours later you talk to them and the world's come to an end. You know anybody like that? But thermostats control the circumstances around them regulate things, make things an even keel, try to, try to keep things at a constant temperature, constant place. The strength of God, the power of God will enable you to be that constant faithful servant of Jesus Christ, never experiencing too high a highs or too low a lows because you're trusting God no matter what you face and when people see you and how you deal with the problems of life they see the power of God in you there's something different because you have the strength of Jesus Christ that is enabling you to walk through all the things of life knowing that he is in control I've learned to be content in whatever state whatever condition I'm in. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for these words that you inspired Paul to write. Thank you for how he lived it out in his life. And that you use us, Lord, to live for you in this world, in our generation, in our day. Lord, if we took inventory of every person here, there are some people dealing with some really tough things right now. And there are other people, things are as good as they've ever been. Lord, we know that your strength is perfect. 
It's provided to deal with whatever we face in life that we might accomplish your plan and your will. So we pray that you'll minister to each heart right now. Encourage, challenge, lead us. If there's someone here, Lord, who needs to give their life to you so that they can have this strength that only you provide, may they come to you in repentance and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I give my life to you. And we know you'll be faithful to do what you have promised. There may be Christians, Lord, who need to turn to you and say, I'm going to start trusting, Lord, in, in you and in you alone. I'm going to trust in your plan, in your care, and in your power. And I want my life to reflect your presence in every way. We want your will to be done in these moments. You lead us. Help us to follow your direction. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.